Hi, I'm Amberly Lago, and I'm so excited and so grateful that you're here with me for the True Grit and Grace podcast. First of all, I think most of us have experienced some sort of challenge in our life, or most of us have experienced some sort of trauma in our life, whether it's big or small, whether you've had a breakup or a breakdown, maybe you lost your job, or maybe you got sick, but something that wasn't supposed to happen that definitely was not a part of your plans. For me, that has happened more than a few times, and I'm just grateful that I'm here and I can finally be at a place where I can share these experiences with you and not only hopefully give you some inspiration, but also teach you and share with you the tools and the tips that I have learned along the way to be resilient and to get back up time and time again. So it's my sincere wish that these podcast episodes will allow you to bust through your fear, overcome your challenges, and really find joy in life no matter what your circumstances are and allow you to thrive. And each week, I'm going to bring on a special guest that will share their experience from struggle to success and hopefully really inspire you because I've already recorded a few guests and they have completely just inspired me and I can't wait to share those with you. For those of you who don't know me, again, my name's Amberly Lago and I really hope that you'll reach out to me through Instagram. You can DM me at Amberly Lago Motivation or shoot me an email at AmberlyLago.com because this is really for us to grow together. And I'm so excited to know what you think about the podcast. And I'm also going to be answering any questions that you send in on the next episodes that I launch. So please reach out. I grew up in a small town in Texas, and my parents got divorced at a young age. I was eight years old, and my mom was a single mom for a while. And she worked hard. She had two jobs and just to put food on the table. But she remarried a man who was an awful, awful man. He ended up sexually abusing me. So I had a lot of shame from that. And my default was to do something to make me feel good. And so I chose to really work hard in school and make straight A's. I got into athletics and ran track, and I didn't realize at the time, but I was not only running because it felt good, I felt like I was really running away from all my problems. I also spent most of the time at the dance studio because that's where my passion was. That's what I love to do, and it just felt safe for me. Not only that, I had, you know, there were seven of us kids. And I had an older brother who we talk now and I forgive him, but he used to use me as a punching bag. And I'm actually grateful for that experience because later in life, it led me to take Krav Maga and get a belt and self-defense and really learn how to protect myself. So I learned from a very young age that I was going to have to protect myself. And I knew that I was going to have to work hard if I wanted my dreams to come true. At age 13, I got my first job and I then, you know, I worked as a lifeguard. I taught dance. I scrubbed toilets. I babysat. I did whatever I could to make money. And I saved up $1,200 
I bought my very first car, which was a little Suzuki Samurai. And after I graduated, like a month after I graduated, I packed up that little Suzuki Samurai and off I went for California. Against a lot of, you know, my friends were like, oh, you're never going to make it. You'll be back. My parents weren't too thrilled about it, but I did have a partial scholarship to UCLA. So that was kind of my way of saying, yeah, yeah, I'm going to go to college. But I actually knew deep down in my heart, if I made this scholarship audition for this dance studio called the Dance Center, that that was what I was going to do. And I made it. I auditioned. Now, let me tell you, I was the worst dancer that made scholarship. I kind of feel like they just felt sorry for me and took me in. But I worked hard. In fact, I was required to take the most ballet classes, the most dance classes out of anybody on scholarship. And it worked. And it showed me that Sometimes it's not just talent that gets you places, but sometimes just your hard work can get you to places more than talent even can. Because I got a dance agent and then I started my dance career. I did fitness videos later, but first, actually, my very first music video was with MC Hammer. And so, yeah, Can't Touch This was my very first video. I then traveled to Japan, I did commercials, I did industrials, and life was good. I actually ended up meeting a man that I was with long enough to have my beautiful daughter Savannah with. I was a single mom after, and for years I was a single mom, and so living in LA was tough. Now I not only had to support myself, but I had to figure out how to support my daughter too. So in between dance jobs and waiting tables at two different restaurants, I then went to school to learn how to be a professional fitness trainer. I got certified, I started picking up clients, and I would take my daughter with me to work and she would sit underneath the little office cubicle while I trained clients. And, you know, I just did what I had to do. I then met my husband, who I'm married to now. His name is Johnny, and we have a daughter together, and her name's Ruby. And life started getting a little comfortable. Like everything was pretty linear. Like I knew my clients that I would train every day, I had trainers that worked for me. I felt like I was living the California dream and it was all a beautiful life until suddenly everything changed. I was coming home from work on my motorcycle when I was hit by an SUV and my leg was completely crushed. My femoral artery was severed. I was rushed to the hospital and put in induced coma. And when I woke up, the first thing I learned was doctors were going to amputate my leg. I had a 1% chance of saving my leg. And despite dozens of doctors recommending to amputate, I chose to keep it. And I have people ask me a lot, well, why did you want to keep it? And for me, there was just no other question in my mind. When they gave me a 1% chance, it gave me a glimmer of hope. And so I was going to do everything I could to save it. Well, that took 34 surgeries. It took months in the hospital and thousands of hours of excruciating physical therapy. 
And I really thought the worst was over until I went in for a doctor's appointment and I was diagnosed with complex regional pain syndrome. Now, I had never heard of this to walk into a doctor's office and I really thought he was going to be so proud of me because I was finally upright on my crutches. I was told it would take me two years to start walking again and it took me about four months to be upright. I was determined and just like things in my life that had been pretty linear, I thought you work hard, you get better and that's just how it goes. When he diagnosed me with this disease, he told me to go get back in my wheelchair and put my leg up. And I said, well, for how long? And he said, forever. He said, things are never going to get better. You're going to be permanently disabled. You need to go back in that wheelchair and stay there. I was crushed. I was devastated. I felt like I had been given a life sentence. But I didn't go home and get back in my wheelchair. Instead, I went straight to physical therapy and I told the physical therapist, I have just learned something and I'm going to have to work harder than I've ever worked before if I want to have the life that I've always imagined. Now, (laughs) I had no idea how hard that was going to be and I didn't know just how dark of a place that that pain would lead me to. So it is my passion to share with you everything that I've learned in how to rise up again from a place where I wanted to die, but I was too scared to die, but I didn't want to continue living. So it's my sincere wish that these tips and tools will help you no matter what you're going through. I actually did a TED talk that explains more detail about my accident and explains the PACER method, which stands for perspective, acceptance, community, endurance, and rest. So if you Google Amberly Lago TEDx talk, you can listen to that. And if you want me to break down that tool even more, I'm so happy to do that in this podcast. Just shoot me a DM or an email, and I would love to break that down even more. For now, I am so excited to introduce our next guest because, you know, sometimes we don't often know these challenges that we're going through. We can't see the big picture and that we go through these challenges because it often takes us on the path that we're truly meant to take. And because I had all of these challenges, My path was redirected and I met this beautiful young lady, Dr. Erin, because I was actually on her TV show called Good Morning La La Land. And there was instant connection because you could just tell she spread the good vibes, but she also talked so much about the power of prayer because, you know, my book is called True Grit and Grace. And by the grace of God, I have gotten through a lot. And she talks about the power of prayer and how, you know, your God can be a God of what you decide your God is going to be. And so it's not necessarily a religious thing. It's a spiritual thing. And she has so many tips, just the way she looks at prayer and not just a spiritual way, but a scientific way. I'm really hoping that it impacts your life the way it did mine. So thank you for being here. 
And I hope you enjoy this next episode as much as I enjoyed meeting Dr. Aaron. Welcome to True Grit and Grace, a podcast designed to empower you to claim your resilience and thrive through life's challenges. I am Amberly Lago, a mindset coach, fitness expert, and best-selling author. Each week, I'll dive deep with the world's brightest thought leaders and elite performers to share tangible tools and practical advice to inspire you to keep your eyes on the prize and forge ahead. So get ready to conquer your fears, heal any trauma, lead with your heart, and elevate your life with grit and grace. Hello and welcome to True Grit and Grace with Amberly Lago. I'm so excited about my guest today. I have literally been so excited I could barely sleep last night to see you here in the studio. Ooh. Yes, she is the doctor of divinity. She's the founder and TV host of Good Morning La La Land, best-selling author, inspirational speaker, international speaker, self-made millionaire. She's been featured in Forbes as the 11 most inspirational female entrepreneurs to follow on Instagram. So yeah, if you aren't following her there, follow her there. I'll tell you her name in just a minute. She is the founder and creator of Society. And I can't wait to talk more about that. Mm -hmm. And on top of all these amazing things, all these amazing things. I've been listening to your podcast and I even have your app on my phone. Oh, I do. And I just have to start with, I'm going to just claim that this is your very first podcast. Yes. And I go big girl. We're going big girl. Yes. This this is is Dr. Aaron. And I'm so honored to be here today. You are one of my favorite women on this planet. Honestly, we've talked about before the show. You know, there's a lot of inspiring people out there, but there's few that are really, really authentic that mm-hmm. catch your heart and mind and all the above. And it's an honor to be here with you today. Truly. Oh, thank you. I've seriously, I've got goosebumps right now, by the way. Mm-hmm. I'm just so excited to be here with you. And I have so much I want to share with the audience. The first time I met you was actually a few months ago when I was blessed enough to be a guest on Good Morning La La Land. Mm -hmm. And I remember walking in and the studio was full of people. You had a ton of guests that day. You said you've had 3,000 guests on your show. I had no idea. It's been a whirlwind. Yeah, (laughs) it's over 3,000. And I walked in and it was pretty chaotic with a lot of people in there. Mm -hmm. And I look over at you and you are just calmly sitting there, so graceful. And then you eased right into the show and you have this calmness and centeredness about you. And whether I'm watching you on Good Morning La La Land or I'm listening to your podcast, it centers me. Mm-hmm. So thank you. Don't for let that. it fool you. It's just because I'm so exhausted. That I'm just kidding now. <laughs> it's a lot of deep, deep work to deal with the chaos on this yeah. planet. <laughs> oh my goodness. I have got to know. I want to share how you do what you do because I am amazed how many events that you do 
in one day and you always show up. You show up for all the women that you have in society and you have your Good Morning La La Land every morning at nine or not Monday through right. Friday, right? I was thinking Gary Vee has nothing on me. I think I do more content than Gary Vee possibly. Seriously. <laughs> and you're on Instagram. Like you show up, man. You are just there. And it's so nice. I know I can always count on you being there. And I resonated so much with your story that I want to share with our listeners about how you were growing up and when your parents got divorced Mm. and you shared something about it was the first time like you kind of learned how to pray. And I had something similar when I was going through my divorce and I was praying and praying to God that please let me, you know, I have to have custody of my child. I have to have my daughter. And it was one of the hardest times I've ever been through. And I kind of lost faith in that mm-hmm. moment. So can you share with us yeah. kind of about that? Because you taught me a lot in right. that moment. Yeah. So my promise right now to you have some amazing, your community is amazing. I just want to say in this, my intention right now is to give everybody who's listening some extraordinary tools to take away today that you can powerfully shift your mind and have some tools to know why, if you're dealing with any suffering, any area of your life where you're feeling like you're held back, some true answers for you to go back into your life and feel a new sense of faith and a new sense of hope, knowing that there are answers for all of it. So yes, I would be honored to talk about prayer because prayer is one of the greatest daily practices that I do. So I will never forget being a little girl and we went to the movie And in the movie, there was a scene of a little girl who was praying and she sat down next to her bed and she was praying and on there, it was like an imprint. I don't even remember what the movie was about. I remember going home that night and my parents had gotten divorced and I thought, well, something must be wrong with me, first Mm -hmm. of all. Mm -hmm. And why are my parents divorced when in this movie, I saw this beautiful family, everything that they, you know, it all was a happy ending. Let's just put it that Mm -hmm. way. And I sat down on the side of my bed with my knees on the floor and I put my arms up on my bed and I prayed, you know, to the man in the sky. And I remember that it didn't do anything. Mm -hmm. My parents stayed divorced and I thought something's wrong with me. You know, I must not be a good person because God didn't answer my prayer, answered Mm -hmm. it in the movie, but didn't answer my prayer. And it wasn't until years later coming to understand the metaphysical definition of what we really do in prayer. Mm -hmm. And you break down the principles of what prayer really is. You know, I kind of always felt different growing up in Texas because it's the Bible Belt. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you go to church every Sunday and if you miss, you better be on your deathbed because you just better show up in Sunday school. But I grew up with a different kind of God. It was fear-based, you know, Mm -hmm. like you better be good or, you know, you're going to burn or the devil made you do that. And so when I hear how you talk about prayer is really how I have always felt with prayer. And what I love about it is you don't have to be religious at all to pray. And so it's really about how you share it. And I want you to share Mm -hmm. that breakdown of the steps that you do and the power of prayer because it's life changing. Mm. It is life changing. I love this. I love this topic because oftentimes people just ask me about my personal story and I say they kind of tell us. Oh, and I want to. This is really fun for me because I love this topic. Okay. 
So prayer, the definition for me of prayer is actually moving energy, directing energy upon universal law for a specific demonstration in form. That's my definition of it. And what that is, is basically what we're doing. Just close your eyes for a minute. Imagine that you're standing there and above your head is the sun. And the sun is this pure intelligence, this pure, your highest self, that pure, pure, all potential beingness. And in between you and the sun is clouds. It can be totally cloudy and dark, but the sun is still above the clouds. So prayer is basically releasing those clouds and tapping back into the truth of who you are. So Mm -hmm. prayer is really knowing the truth and it is energizing and forming what you truly, truly desire to experience, knowing that you're directing energy and it has to reflect back according to how you hold it in mind because your mind informs your subconscious mind, which is the subjective mind, which is one with the entire universe. So people are like, what the hell is this lady talking about? I like how I've heard you explain it is a scientific way, because some people think more in scientific form. Mm -hmm. They think they want to know scientifically what it does. What is it doing for your brain? How is it shifting your mindset? Which other people are all about the spiritual Mm -hmm. part of prayer. And I love how you break it down. And there's a real true science. There is a real true science to all this stuff, right? Yes. And because I think no matter what we're going through, the trauma, because we all have trauma, whether, you know, small, big, whatever that is, if with loss or with relationships, with Mm -hmm. divorce. And I want to talk about how you got to be the doctor of divinity in just a minute. Great. So let's break this down to more scientific terms. Okay, right. So we know that even your chromosomes can be turned on or off really with the power of thought. You can instantaneously turn on, you know, different chemicals within your body with an instant Mm -hmm. of consciousness. So the moment that you actually even think of something positively or negatively, you instantaneously have a positive or negative effect in your body. So prayer is really getting into that state where you are in your oneness and you're really opening up through that process. We call it meditation. We can call it whatever we want. But once we're in that impressionable state, which is really opening up to our own subconscious mind, which is turning on the receptivity of all the cells in the body, you actually can turn on chromosomes and turn off different aspects within your chemistry, really by the state you're in. So prayer is really getting into that state of the truth of who you are, which is one with everything. And we know that scientifically that anything that's touched is scientifically they've proven that it actually communicates in a metaphysical quantum physics level within the universe. And we're all connected, hence from the Big Bang, right? So if we really open up the subconscious through prayer and get into that state of prayer, and then we actually invoke, who do I need to become and get in that consciousness Mm -hmm. of that mental equivalent, we can invoke miracles because miracles are simply glitches in your current belief system. You are limited to the extent that you perceive yourself a limited being. Amen to that. I love that. I mean, that speaks to me in volumes because, look, back when I was in the hospital and doctors came in and they told me, we have to take your leg. You have a 1% chance of saving it. My thought was, yoo-hoo, 1%? So there's a chance, right? There's a chance. (laughs) So I had that glimmer of hope Mm -hmm. and I think it was that hope and that love that I had that that's what, how I saved. But most people maybe that come from a different background would say, well, the hope can't do it, but it's not the hope that does it. 
it is the energizing of energy that is constantly opening that potential that then you're looking through that lens of where's that potential and you're looking at how can I heal myself instead of getting into the dramatizing and getting more stress Mm -hmm. through perceiving it as something as a bad situation. And literally, we know that 90% of people that go to the doctor are going because of stress-related dis-ease, right? So in that 1% of potential is where all possibilities lie. Mm -hmm. And it is in asking the questions and moving more towards the possibility and the choices and the options and learning and growing and turning on good chemistry instead of the harmful chemistry and staying in, you know, sympathetic instead of parasympathetic and all the above. It's that 1% that has all potential. Exactly. And I had a discussion. Well, actually, when I was in the middle of writing my book, I got argument with the editor because they added in a part of the book where I was really angry after my accident, angry at the man that hit me and this and that. And I said, but I wasn't angry. I said, I didn't focus on the anger. I focused on what I had to do every day and the next day after just to get through the day and heal. And this brings up a great point because I think so many people are into the only being positive. And I call that BS belief system Mm -hmm. in that the anger and the frustration actually works for us. And exactly you can be in an anger state or frustrated state and use that mm-hmm. for deepening your commitment. Yes, because I did use one of the doctors who told me that I'd never wear shorts again because of all my scars. I was angry about wow. that. Mm-hmm. And after the initial like feeling like I was kicked in the gut, I was like, you know what? I am so going to prove you wrong and I'm going to prove to myself I will wear shorts again. And He said, oh, you'll never run again. And I took that and I let it fuel me to do something positive. Mm -hmm. And I think it's important to look at how we use that. And for me, I like to acknowledge when I'm angry, but then move past it. Right. Well, we want to basically what the core work that we do in society is subconscious work. And the core of the subconscious work is trauma. And I think it's important to, there's a time and a place to use the emotions to fuel your commitment. And there's a time and place to look at those emotions and realize those emotions are using me and I'm ready to really actually complete what has gone on so that I can just look back and look at, say, a trauma that you've been through, which is a major, major trauma with your leg. Can you look at that incident and completely, you know what, it sucked, it happened, and this is what's happening now, versus someone else, if they haven't done their trauma, they'd look at it and maybe they'd start crying because it pulls up a lot of emotions for them which is constantly playing out over and over again in their life. So there's a time and place to use negative emotions and there's a time to complete and express and get closure and really neutralize the mental picture associated with the trauma. Well, I want to talk more about society because it was about a month or six weeks ago, you sent me a message and said, hey, would you like to be my guest? And Mm -hmm. I was like, are you kidding? Yeah, I want to be your guest. I didn't know really exactly what it was, but I thought if it's you're doing anything, it has Mm -hmm. to be incredible. And so I want to go check it out. And I was so happy when I got there and I was wearing white because I didn't look at the invitation close enough where it was an all white party. (laughs) There's one mind and you're tapped in. (laughs) And so I was wearing white and it was just such a magical evening with So many incredible women. Oh my gosh, the women that come to those events, right? It's so amazing. But Mm -hmm. can you tell me, first of all, how did you even 
I know you've shared your story a lot, but my listeners may not know how you got into your doing, being the doctor of divinity, Mm -hmm. how you made it to that process, because it hasn't been an easy road and you had some trauma Mm -hmm. early on. And can you explain kind of how you turned your tragedy into a real triumph and a blessing? So I believe that there's moments and times of something that happens that shifts our entire world. And for me, that moment was at the age of 22. I was nine months pregnant. I was in nursing school. And I remember that my baby didn't feel him move in my belly that one day. And I'd read what to expect when you're expecting that you should go get it checked out. So it was about five o'clock in the afternoon. And I was close by the doctor's office. So I thought I'd just swing in, make sure everything was okay. And I walked in and I told the nurse, I said, I haven't felt my baby, you know, move today. And so I just come in and check it out. She said, no problem. Come on back. The doctor's gone already, but we'll just check it out. And so she lubed up my belly for a little ultrasound and turned on the screen. And right away, we both saw there was not a heartbeat. Oh. So we knew it was kind of like she just looked at me and I looked at her and she said, let me call the doctor. Oh. So she called the doctor and she said, the doctor's going to meet you over at the main hospital. So I drove over there. Again, they went in for a real ultrasound and there was no heartbeat. And he looked at me and said, sweetheart, I'm so sorry. Your baby's passed away. You have a choice. You can either go home and you'll naturally go into labor or we can take you over into, you know, delivery room and we can start to induce you. And I thought, my baby's dead and oh. I got to go give birth to his body. Can't you just take the body out? Like, what do you do? So oh my you go into full labor. And at that point in time, once you have your baby, they want you to grieve your baby. So they have you bathe your dead baby, take pictures with your dead baby and go home the next day, the day without your dead baby. Right. So I woke up the next day completely like, you know, I was 22 years old. I don't even know where were my parents. I have no idea. I woke up the next day and I thought I didn't get the right pictures with my dead baby because I didn't bring the clothes. I didn't, I wasn't, I mean, this is how loopy I was, right? Well, yeah, so I well, right? probably didn't even know what I to, I didn't know anything, yeah. right? So I go down to the mortician's house. I've got this bag of clothes thinking I'm going to take some photo shoot with my dead baby. And the mortician says, oh, sweetheart, I'm so sorry. Your baby has been in formaldehyde for 24 hours, but let me, you know, get a room prepared and take some time to grieve or whatever. So it takes a few minutes and comes and grabs me and he takes me down into this dark, cold. It was literally a scene out of the movie. Down into this basement, red drapes, I kid you not, red lights. And he goes, take as much time as you need. And he closed the door behind me. Here I am alone. Oh, you were by yourself. 22 years old. I dropped the bag of clothes thinking, okay, I'm not going to be taking pictures. So in this big room, there's this hospital bed in the middle and his little kind of, you know, body that's shriveling away. And it was just one of those moments, like, you know, that lump in your throat and you're like, if there's a God, how could he be so cruel? Yeah. And he just was crying and crying. And it just hit me like a miracle. It's like, I just noticed also, it's like, he's gone. His body's here. We're not these bodies. I was like, commitment. I was like, I have no idea how I'm going to figure it out. I don't know. I do what I'm going to do. But if there's something I'm going to do in this life, I'm going to figure out who I am. Wow. So that hit me hard. We are not these bodies. Nope. We're definitely not these bodies. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like, like I'm getting all emotional with you saying that because that, what you just said is like, I looked at my leg the other day and it was giving me a lot of pain and, you know, my whole body was hurting and I was like, But this is just the vessel for my soul. Like I thought this is just my body. 
So that really touched me. So do you want to go a little deeper on that? Because from a spiritual perspective, our body is communicating and it's communicating what needs to still be healed, what uh-huh. needs to be revealed and what, where we still need to align. So there is a possibility, right? I mean, maybe there's a part of that that is just straight up nerve damage that is going to cause pain, but maybe there's something in there that's still trying to communicate. There's a pain deep, deep, deep at a soul level. We know epigenetically we have all memory of all lifetimes. Well, there's actually studies that show because I have this nerve disease Mm -hmm. or I was diagnosed with this nerve disease called complex regional pain syndrome, which I think I've shared with Mm -hmm. you before. And there are studies that show that it mostly happens to women mostly people who have been sexually abused. And so there are studies that have just said, oh, it's just suppressed emotion. Mm -hmm. And so that angers some people because, you know, look, I have a friend of mine that has CRPS and she just had her leg amputated. Mm -hmm. And she's like, look, I've prayed, I've tried to release it. I've done healing. I've done therapy. My leg is just not cooperating. Mm -hmm. And it is a misfire of the nerves. But I know for sure that I am able to do what I can do because of one of the things is because I've shifted my mindset. For sure. Absolutely. And I focus on the good and the gratitude Mm -hmm. and I focus on what I can do. And I think that allows me a lot more freedom in the world. We just did the Unleash photo shoot. Mm -hmm. A couple of days ago. Yeah, we both did it on, when was that? Monday. Yes. And so they take you and they basically have you, just so that the listeners, it's a campaign against anti-bullying and kind of inner dialogue also, Mm -hmm. right? So they had us do a photo shoot where we basically have our tops off. You don't see the boobs, but they write all over the back of all of our negative inner dialogue or what we've been bullied with and then the positive things, the truth around it. And it was a beautiful process. It was a beautiful process. Mm -hmm. And it was really just being able to step into a safe place and be vulnerable Mm -hmm. and share some of, you know, those things, that inner dialogue that you've had or someone that has said something to you. But when we finished, the photographer had me lying face down on the couch for my you know, after pictures, because you have the negative words and they erase those off. Mm -hmm. And then you have the positive and it's like you go through this process where you breathe and then you release. And I told him, I said, you know, I don't feel powerful laying on the couch. I was stuck on the couch for years with my leg up. I said, this doesn't feel powerful for me. I said, I need to stand up. I said, I have people tell me to sit down all the time. I want to stand up. And I think that part of expressing ourselves and just being able to have a voice in things, Mm -hmm. because, you know, sometimes growing up in Texas, you were taught to just hide your crazy and be a lady, as I used to say, (laughs) and suck it up, you know, and it's like, I'm letting the crazy come out, Mm -hmm. you know, I think we all need to be empowered. Mm -hmm. Well, and again, there's a level of what is empowered versus what is coming out of a command that happened in a traumatic incident that's running our wanting to feel like we need to be empowered, right? Mm -hmm. So we need to make that distinction in our core core work. And that comes down to doing trauma work, which is really the foundation of really understanding that we really are kind of, we're not these bodies, right? It's like having a car and you get inside of your car and you close the door. 
you forgot that you can actually open door and get out of the car. So these bodies were not these bodies, but no one actually taught us how to use our bodies and how our consciousness works and how we manifest and demonstrate in this universe. Like, where's the owner's manual? Mm -hmm. Like, I'm going to write that freaking owner's manual. Yeah. Yeah. And you are really changing lives. I mean, as we speak, you have created and creating still a legacy of spiritual leaders. You are the top spiritual leader and you have a goal of impacting, you say billion, I say billions yeah, right. of yeah. lives. Well, and I know, you do. and I'll know we will do that because we are developing the leaders. If it's just me out there, you know, that's not how spirit works. Spirit mm -hmm. demands that we work together and synergize. And I truly believe that we can't have any gifts that we're given until we give them away. But, I, yeah, I believe yeah. that too. Mm -hmm. But, uh, you know, and it's interesting, this work is, you know, when you get into subconscious work, it's kind of like a computer, the best analogy, I use it like a computer. So if you're looking at your phone right now, your computer or whatever it is, you're listening, you can touch the computer or your phone and that's what's considered the hardware. So if we look at our bodies and we touch our body, that's like the hardware. And then inside of your computer phone, it's what's considered the software and that can upgrade or quite frankly, get glitches in it. And same with us. Our software is our belief system that comes from our DNA. Epigenetics mm -hmm. now proves that we have all memory and intelligence, of course, from, you know, time we were in a single cell. And then basically, we have the memory, your phone or your computer has X amount of memory. We call memory, you know, in the DNA, there's intelligence, or we call it the Akashic record spiritually. So you can have the best computer, the best program, the best software, the best memory. But if you don't have an operator, it's not going to do anything. So same mm -hmm. as you are not your body, you're not your beliefs, you're not your programming. You are this one operating your life through this vehicle, if you will. And so when we get, you know, clients come in and they have all kinds of issues, it's the same thing with your computer. What do you do with your computer when it has problems, when it has a spinning ball, when it has viruses on it, when it's not working correctly? You've got to clean it up. You've got to empty the cache. You've got to update your program. Mm -hmm. You've got to do all that work. And that's what subconscious work is. We basically pull up all the programs running in the background through the trauma, we pull those up and restore the power. You are a divine, powerful, spiritual being, and you forgot. I love and that. And that's all you're doing is remembering who you are. And then we birth someone's passion, which is really birthing their specific truth. There's ultimate truths, like your eternal energy cannot be destroyed. And there's relative truths, like I like seven hours of sleep versus eight hours of sleep, mm -hmm. right? And then there are, then we birth someone's purpose. And we do that through basically a formula, which is... That's what the, I want to talk yeah. to you so about. I love the form, this formula. Right? Yeah. So the formula is your triumphs plus your passions plus your skill set or your talents, right? So we have to do the trauma work before we can... And, and that was a yes. The universe says yes. <laughs> the universe says <laughs> yes. Oh we just had a call in oh, from man. the universe. Yes. I want to hear this one. <laughs> we have a call in today. <laughs> All right. So the formula, again, is your triumphs plus your passion plus your skill set or talent. So how do you know your triumph, right? Sometimes mm -hmm. people go, well, I don't know my purpose. I don't... Because they're still going through the trials. They haven't had their full triumph. Yeah. And I have people ask me all the time, I don't know what my purpose is. I can't find my purpose. And I love your formula because... I think a lot of times we can get on autopilot and just do what we think we're supposed to do, what our parents told us, you're going to grow up and you're going to do this. And 
I think it's so powerful when you can kind of stop and look and find your purpose. Like what are some things that you've had a hard time overcoming, but you did it. What are those things? I feel like we heal and then we can share. That's a gift that we can share with others to get through maybe something that they're going through. Right. Well, isn't that the beauty of it? Right. I mean, we don't want to learn from somebody who was born rich and a silver spoon in their mouth about how to become a millionaire. Like, how can you tell me you already, you were born that way, right? Or someone who has never, you know, gained any weight telling us how to stay fit. We would prefer mm-hmm. to learn from somebody who became obese and then now they're teaching or someone who's homeless that, you know, can teach success. I think that your story, Amber, is that's your greatest strength is your story and the suffering that you have gone through. Because without that, what, you're a pretty blonde that, you know, like, this is what makes you somebody that I'm like, whoa, she's inspiration to overcome so many things. Mm, thank you. Thank you. Well, the moment I saw you, I was like, oh, my gosh, you just had like an aura oh. around you. But then when I got to know you and you are just as beautiful on the inside as the outside, and I really went to go find out more about you. And then I, so much of it resonated with me. Mm-hmm. I felt the same about you. Yeah. Well, I love you. Oh, We're dating now. I love you. <laughs> I love you. So if people want to come to one of your events mm-hmm. or they want to download the app, we're talking mm-hmm. to Dr. Aaron. I have the app on my phone. Right. It's awesome because there's <laughs> meditations or they want to just listen to your podcast or they just want to get a hold of you and see when they can sure. go to one of your events or find your book. Yeah. What is the best way to do that? On all social media, I'm drerin.tv. So that's D-R-E-R-I-N.tv. And you can look up Soul Society with an E on the end. So it's like soul and society all in one word, but with an E on the end. It's the mm-hmm. French version. So you can get the podcast, which is Soul Society with Dr. Aaron. You can get my app, which is Dr. Aaron. Mm-hmm. You can come to any of the events. We don't have weekly this right now because we just did the big retreat and we take breaks on the events. But when we do those, you know, we'll probably start those up again, whatever. But you can always email me at com. You can go to aaronfallhaskell.com or soulsociety.com. So that's about all the ways yeah. I told you. There's lots. I have tons of freebies. I have tons of, you know, soul planner and different worksheets and all kinds of stuff. So you can reach out anyway. I'm always here. My girls always say that we have ambassadors in Soul Society and they say the one thing that I loved about you the most and why I got involved was because you were so accessible. And I just mm-hmm. like, if we're not doing it for the people, then what are we doing? It? You, you know guys, I mean? she is the real deal, mm-hmm. the real deal. And I love you. Thank you for I love you too. coming mm-hmm. to be in the studio and record. And thank you for being my very first official interview. Yay, I'm thank so excited. You. You're going to bring so much wisdom to the world through your podcast. That's thank it. you. Mm-hmm. Thanks. Thanks so much for joining us this week on True Grit and Grace podcast. If you like it, please rate it or share it with your friends. That would help too. If you're not yet on the newsletter list, come over to AmberlyLago.com and jump on it. While you're there, you can grab a free downloadable gratitude journal and you might just want to check out my book or even check out my monthly motivational membership. Thanks again for tuning in and we'll see you next week.